lives, an oasis of truth, free speech, and open debate in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. So, uh, how are you doing, Jason? I'm well. I'm finally not in the car, so that's good. That's nice. Been driving? Yeah, I mean, I'm still on the road trip, you know. Uh, South Dakota was one of the first stops, and uh, I am traveling on. And, uh, yeah, so we're having some minor technical glitches, and you understand how those go. Yeah. Had a great show today, Jason. By the way, they're joined by the great Jason Goodman on Truth Tuesday. In the first hour, they have John Mark Dugan. Oh, great. And you introduced us to John Mark Dugan. Oh, be good. There's a lot yeah. of Russian news going on. Oh, yeah. John Mark Dugan's the person to bring it to us. In the second hour, there's a great friend of the show, Tom Nichols, talking about some stuff that's going on in Philadelphia. And also, we'll ask him about how Fetterman's looking. He's not looking good, but I... I you at this point, I think Dr. Oz is going to win. What do you think, Jason? I think so. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of focus, obviously, on Fetterman's health, and I'm sure that that's something that you feel sympathy for. Uh, but really, setting aside whatever health issues Fetterman may have had, he's a terrible candidate. I mean, he's got a terrible track record. He doesn't speak well. He looks like a goon who should be a bouncer at a bar, not a politician. And I'm not talking about his physical appearance. I mean, you know, he's showing up at official events wearing a hoodie. The guy's a disaster. Yes. No, no I agree. I think what's going to do him in is the way he's been healing this health concerns. You know, hiding it. Yeah. It's not a concern. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, there we go. Better sound. Yeah. Perfect. Anyway, so, yeah, but Betterman, and look, election day is three weeks away now. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Three weeks? Yeah. So not very long. But the way Fetterman's dealt with his health problems could be the thing that does him in because mm-hmm. he's acting weird about it. Yeah. You know. Well, do you remember? Do you remember, Lee, when they used to have this sketch on Saturday Night Live? I think it was Martin Short. He used to play like the most dishonest lawyer in the world. And whoever he was representing, yeah, so the, 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 the fake news the interview would ask him a question. Right. Yeah. And he'd say, well, why are you asking that? That's such a weird question for you to ask. That's how Fetterman is acting. He's like reading questions off of a computer and acting like that's normal. And the Democrats seem to know that they're in trouble. Uh, yeah. They are no longer making optimistic sounds. <laughs> they they seem to be aware that they are going to lose and lose big. But we're also taking your calls today at 202-521-1320. And Jason, please do us the honor of doing the boom. Absolutely, Lee. This is the backstory. Well done, my friend. Thank you. So, uh, we'll save the Russia stuff for John Mark Dugan, Mm. but did you see the new lawsuit against Kanye West? Oh, no. I thought he's buying parlor is what I heard about Kanye West. Okay. No, no, no. So get this. George Floyd's family 
Hmm. Those money-grubbing scumbags, (laughs) I'll just say it blatantly, are suing Kanye West for $250 million. What did he do? Because what he said on the radio. About about Jewish people? What did he say about George Floyd? About George, he said he's Jewish. No, he didn't. No, no, no. That's funny. He doesn't look Jewish. (laughs) No, but uh, he said that Kanye West, he'd seen Candace Owens' biography, uh, film, documentary on George Floyd. And he said that the knee was not on George Floyd's neck. I did see that on a podcast, right? Well, how can they sue him for that? Who is that? Is it emotional distress for them? I'm going to tell you in two words. How they can sue him. Yeah. Alex Jones. No, Benjamin Clump is I think what people, I was going to say. <laughs> well, Crump has, but you, you see what I'm saying by Alex they Jones? They see the money I on think, the table, absolutely. And it's it's mega millions lottery money. Mm-hmm. People see how much money you can get for suing someone. By the way, was any news people sued and win a lawsuit? For lying about Russiagate? Oh, how about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? How about everything that they talk yes. about? <laughs> exactly. but, uh, so his family is suing. By the way, there's no defamation since George Floyd has passed away. Well, that's what I mean. It would, the only can't. thing that you could really do is intentional infliction of emotional distress against the family. And he didn't say anything about the family. He's making commentary about a public event. It's an idiotic lawsuit. Well, but, but they might win. Yeah. Let me say this. The way the world is right now, yep. I would not be completely shocked if they won. Or settle. But George Floyd, if he had lived... He never, ever would have been worth even a million dollars to that family. Do you agree yeah. with that, Jason? Well, I mean, they were bailing him out of jail four or five times, weren't they? Yes. They would have cost, it would have cost them money. But right. watch out, because you might get sued for saying yeah. something factual about right. George Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Kanye has gone a little bit off the reservation, though, hasn't he, Lee? He's sort of all over the place lately. Well, he's dealing with. It was some I understand that he's trying to deal with the issue of Zionism Mm -hmm. and he sees that Zionism affects the power structure of a lot of the world. But he's making a common mistake of assuming that Judaism right. is Zionism, right. and that the two are sim- similar. And I'll say this: you know about Netanyahu and uh, Israel going after ultra-orthodox Jews. Uh, I mean, uh, not personally. I don't know too many facts about that. Do you know about them, for instance, uh, raiding an, an Orthodox Jewish newspaper in Israel? And ceasing their printing presses. Wow. Well, we got to get Yaakov Shapiro on to talk about this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Because, and and I, again, I, you know, I, the reason so, they're going after Kanye is not yeah. because he's anti-Semitic. Hmm. I don't know know him. 
Well, it's just because so he's against say. the main. He's against the mainstream. I, you know what? Honestly, I didn't feel like what he was saying was anti-Semitic when he said it. Kanye West is a complicated person because I do not believe that he is dumb. But that was some dumb stuff to say. To say, I mean, there's some ignorance going on there. I agree with you that he's trying to address Zionism. But Lee, you and I and other people who have studied it extensively with scholars spend multiple hours carefully selecting the way we want to discuss this stuff because we appreciate the complexity of it and the emotional sensitivity of it. Kanye West just sits on a podcast like he's Joe Biden. You know, if you ain't black, you know, you're voting for me or whatever, spewing out this stuff that's definitely going to be misunderstood. It was a poor decision on his part. But I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I just think it was a dopey comment. And, you know, as an advocate of free speech, right? I'm a believer that my friend Andrew Breitbart talked about this all the time. The solution for bad speech is more speech. Right. If you don't like what Kanye said, engage him in conversation if you can. So right. if he were on the show, and by the way, Kanye, you're invited. Mm. Get in touch with Rod. But if Kanye were on the show, I'd talk to him about it. I yeah. wouldn't just say, you're anti-Semitic. Click. Does that right. make sense? No, I totally agree, Lee. I mean, look, you know, you and I spend a lot of time on radio shows, video podcasts and things where you're spending hours and hours a day talking in a format where, you know, normally ordinary people don't have hundreds or thousands of people listening to their every word, criticizing what they say. And of course, when you're talking about somebody like Kanye West, it's way, way more exposure than you or I. But the point is, when you engage in these types of extemporaneous conversations during, you know, uh, podcasts and broadcasts and people asking all kinds of questions, things are going to get said. And some people are more prone to it than others that are regrettable or maybe weren't meant. And I just, you know, this crucifying somebody over one stupid comment, it's, it doesn't bother me that much that he said that. Now, now so uh, I talked about this on Twitter last night a little bit. As you know, Jason, because you, you've known me a very long time. Over yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Uh, you remember my, my son Shane, who yeah. used to host a show on Sputnik, mm -hmm. was a baby. You yeah. remember newborn First Shane? First time I met him, yes. He got bigger. Hey, but, he's uh, bigger than me now. <laughs> I, I pointed out that I have a business strand strategies because I've uh -huh. been involved in marketing for 30 years. Hmm. You, when you first met me, I was a new tech in the That's marketing true. department. That's true, yeah. And so I've done marketing and political consulting and what they call crisis management. Mm -hmm. And Kanye could use some right now. That's but true. I'll say this. The world of crisis management is completely different now than it was even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Now there are all kinds of people. The media is now crisis creators. Mm -hmm. What they'll do is they'll hire reporters to go through everything a person ever said in an interview, everything a person's ever said on social media. Right. Right. To go yep. through thousands of hours of stuff looking for something that they can attack them for. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, it's clear. You know, it's like the objectionable statement patrol. It's out looking for something you said in 1986. <laughs> right. No, and 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 they bring it up 
and they create these crises. So here's my advice to people in general. Don't try to convince the people who hate you. The haters and the trolls are unlikely to be convinced and it's a waste of effort. Instead, focus on the people who like you. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's it used to be advice for you know, life in general. It, it, but it used to be you might try to convince or change someone's opinion. I don't think we're at the point now where people, the thing that's going to change their opinion ultimately is them. They're the only thing, if, if they decide there's too much and everything, I believe, you know, I'll put it like this. You can't buy a little bit of the Biden Democrat narrative. Yeah. You follow me? You it's can't all buy nonsense. Right. It used to be, you know, you could look at the issues and say abortion. I'll take this position. The economy. I'll take this position. War. I'll take this position. Now there's one position that you have to take. If yeah. you're a Democrat, you have to be pro-choice and unlimited pro-choice. You have to be pro-trans rights, yeah. pro whoever wants to compete athletically based on how they, you know, define themselves. Identify, yeah. Right. And you have to be pro-war, pro-CIA, pro-FBI. There is no nuance. There is no taking one cup from column A and one from column B. It used to be that way. I mm. remember that. Do you yeah, moderate, remember the moderate Democrats? Yeah, moderate Democrats, centrist Republicans and all that. But, I, you know, I think it's not just if, if the case if you're a Democrat, because if you're a celebrity, if you're a CEO, if you're a person who proposes to his girlfriend at the football game and gets, you know, nixed, anything that the Internet and this viral media, whatever, just decides, you know, you can't sit with us and your life is over. No, that's right. And, and it's it's such a very different environment for mm. public relations professionals mm -hmm. now that yeah. the rule, the rules I was said before, if you and the person who really uh, pioneered a lot of this stuff was my friend, Andrew Breitbart. Mm -hmm. Andrew Breitbart was in favor of being non-apologetic, but he sometimes apologized. He means <laughs> On your core principles, be right. non-apologetic. Right. I remember in court when Alex Jones said, I'm not going to apologize to you. He said it to the lawyer. He said, I've apologized because he had. He'd mm -hmm. apologized for what he said about Sandy Hook. A million times. But that wasn't, en but that wasn't enough. Mm. And yeah. the lawyer trying to make him apologize didn't really, he wasn't going to, Alex say apology and the lawyer will then go well that's very big of you apology accepted <laughs> let's dismiss the case right yeah yeah so it's a very interesting world and think about it from a PR person's perspective what advice you give like Elon Musk and Kanye have both been under a lot of attacks this yeah. week yeah so I would say focus on the people who like you already, not the haters. If someone tells you they hate you, 
that's why I now just block people on Twitter. If they say something stupid about Putin, not ignorant, just one of those like Putin, anti-Putin memes, Putin is Hitler or whatever, I just yeah. block them. I'm yeah. not going to convince that person. But if yeah. someone says, well, what about didn't Putin kill, you know, Litvinenko? Right. I'll, I'll answer them. I'll say, mm -hmm. actually, no. And that information came from Christopher Seale. You've heard me talk about that, Jason. Yeah, of course. So people who are genuinely interested, because haters are not curious. It's all a gotcha game. Yeah. It's one big gotcha game. Now, I'll say this too, switching topics slightly. I am somewhat conditionally impressed by Donald Trump at rallies saying that what he wants with Ukraine and Russia is a peaceful settlement. Yeah. Now, let me say this. Donald Trump is only a little bit right there. He should be, like I am, pro-Russia. Russia did nothing to hurt Trump. Ukraine did. Ukraine has been the enemy of Donald Trump for years. Agreed? Yes, but he behaves in a way that seems to indicate that he's not exactly aware of that. Yes, I agree with that. But still, the fact that he is up there in rallies saying we should have a Russell Brand did a good video on this recently. Mm -hmm. Trump is at least up there saying we should resolve this peacefully right. and get the two sides to sit down. Because, you know, Putin made a statement recently that he was asked at a press conference, do you think Ukraine will survive as a nation? And Putin's answer was very significant. He said, I thought, basically he said, I thought that at the beginning of this, the goal was not to destroy Ukraine. Then he, wow. he said, that, and it was not. Yeah, Putin no, was I trying to get that. them to stop <laughs> down bombing Donbass. But, but he said like he's now indicating that it's changed through the course because after what they did to the bridge, the yeah. the Kirsch bridge in Crimea. Yeah. yeah. And after also at the beginning of the conflict. And by the way, Russian troops are gathering in Belarus. And that's significant because they came down from Belarus before and surrounded Kiev. Remember that? Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the conflict, mm -hmm. and then they backed off. Now, Russia's story, and I believe them, the facts bear this out, that what happened was the head of Turkey was trying to get Russia and Ukraine to sit down, and they agreed. Russia mm -hmm. and Ukraine agreed. But, and and Zelensky was ready to sign the papers, ending and ending the conflict. In fact, oh. let's bring John Mark Dugan on to talk about this. Great. But Zelensky was talked out of it by the U.S. and Boris Johnson right. and the yeah. U.K. Yeah. And the reason Russia unsurrounded Kiev was a goodwill gesture, because you don't go into peace negotiation. Right. In, a, in aggressive posture. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, unfortunately, 
the Zelensky regime is impossible to negotiate with. Yeah. And Putin indicated that Russia has no choice. So I personally don't think, and we'll talk to, let's, let's go to short break, Jason. Sure. And then when we come back, we'll be talking to our friend, John Mark Dugan, the great reporter and correspondent who's in, I, I think he's in Moscow currently. Yeah, yeah he's But we'll in find out from John Mark Dugan. Let's take a short break on the backstory. back on the backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington DC Jason Goodman is co-hosting the show today and Jason I'm going to have you do the intro for John Mark Dugan because I mean you're a guest co-host and I'm lazy so go for it Jason well, for people who haven't heard from John before, he was a U.S. Well, he is a U.S. Marine, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, right, John? And then you were a police officer with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, and now he's an American expatriate living in Moscow, reporting on the special military operation in Ukraine. So John was doing a lot of reporting on the ground in Ukraine, and he, uh, when we first started hearing about this kill list, he was in Ukraine. And I think something happened with his status or, you know, he's not really a citizen of Russia or the United States. So he has to be careful with where he travels and following the rules and all that. And I think he was told not to return strictly for, you know... Uh, bureaucratic immigration reasons, but if he joins us, he can explain that in detail. So it could be a minute here, Jason. Well, I can tell you, he was doing a great podcast, Lee, where he received some information from a person who purported to be a Danish military person working for NATO. They were talking about these little, uh, I think I might have mentioned this to you, I don't remember if it was on um, High Dive or maybe just a phone call, but they had these things that one of the viewers in John's comments section said appeared to be nuclear fuel rods, like taken from a nuclear power plant. And they were leaking. I saw that, yes. Yeah, they were oozing some kind of chemical. And the Russian soldiers that came in contact with these things got symptoms of radiation poisoning. And, you know, this people would say, like, oh, you don't know if that's true. And that wasn't on CNN. So it's not corroborated or whatever. But it does it does seem plausible because Ukraine has a large number of nuclear power plants. And even though they might not be able to fashion a bomb, finding fuel from a power plant, and particularly if you know somebody who works at the power plant who's now part of the Azov Battalion or something, you could gain access to something like that. Maybe a damaged or compromised vessel could turn it into a dangerous compound. And John Mark Dugan is there, I understand. Hey, John, how are you doing? Well, how are you? Good to have you on. Great to have you on the show. So, John... We were talking about the recent statement by Vladimir Putin about the fact that being cagey, and Putin is seldom cagey, but he was asked whether Ukraine would exist as a country after this. And did you see that statement by Putin saying, well, 
We, we had no intention on taking the country out. But now, and sort of he trailed off there. He changed the subject, actually. Did you see that statement by him? I did. And, um, you know, frankly, look, we all know that he was left no choice whatsoever. He's been to Turkey trying to seal, send, um, trying to sign peace deals, like back as early as uh, I think March or maybe even February. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. So, John, John, obviously, we don't have Putin on the line. I would ask him. So, we're not asking you to give Putin's opinion. What, what is your opinion? Do you think that Ukraine should exist? as a nation after this, because I would argue they actually don't exist as a sovereign nation now. I would argue that Ukraine has not been a sovereign nation since the U.S. overthrew its government in 2014 and picked its leaders. So what do you think, John Mark Dugan? I would actually agree with that um, uh, because, you know, the United States installed the puppet government it's basically a branch of the United States where the politicians go to launder their dirty uh, money. And um, they have been beholden to the United States um, since 2014. Yeah. And also, by the way, you can't think of a president whose son might have profited massively uh, after the overthrow of the Ukrainian government in 2014. Can you? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Hunter Biden, um, Biden has been cleaning up. I mean, the guy's got no qualifications, but he's been making millions in that place. And so, when John Mark Dugan's answer is Joe Biden. Survey says number one answer, John. Great job. Now, there was something else that Putin said that was very telling about the potential future of Ukraine and his adjusted attitude towards them. After the bridge was bombed, it was very clear that, first of all, obviously it was a terrorist action, but that Ukraine has now aligned itself with the most despicable terrorist organizations in the world. And that's another thing that, you know, it's one thing if you're talking about a sovereign nation, if you're talking about a gang of criminals, that's dealt with differently. Now, right. But speaking of gang liberals, you can't just tie this to Hunter Biden. We got Mitt Romney's kid, we got Nancy Pelosi's kid, and we got John Kerry's kid all in there doing dirty deals. Um, They are the very face of the establishment. And this is why they were so tough on Donald Trump going in there. You mean because they didn't want Trump to disrupt this operation? Lee, don't you think that what's happening now in Ukraine from the standpoint of the U.S. fomenting this, is this the end game for all of these kind of corrupt operations where you spend decades plundering a country and laundering money through it by, you know, loaning them money to buy weapons and things like that, and then you blow the whole place out and that's it? Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. Yeah, John, what what do you think? Well, I I don't know, um, because they got a lot to protect there. And when Russia goes in and Russia takes takes over their government, um, there's they're going to be people singing like songbirds. And um, unless the U.S. government gets them out, 
um, there's going to be some big problems. Are you talking about the labs, the biological labs? And that's just one aspect of it. But but don't forget that come November 8th, come November 8th, um, this uh, this other party, they're not going to play those games anymore. They're not going to send all that fun- funding to Ukraine. I think I think Putin only has to wait till the eighth. Um, you know, just wait it out, and then and then he's going to weigh his options. Then because I think it's going to be a very different. What actually? I, I know you don't think that Putin is basing what he's doing upon the outcome of an election in the United States. Oh no 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 no! I no, but I do think he's going to have several options uh, available to him. Um, and, and, you know, that are going to be made possible by the outcome of the election. Hmm. Now, John, let me ask you a question. So uh, personally has, because I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll go first in the game of truth or dare. My support for Russia has only grown over the course and my disgust at Ukraine since February. Since the military action, I am yep. more supportive of Russia. How do you feel, John Mark Dugan? Are you more supportive of Russia or about the same? Or what's your feeling on things? Well, I've always been supportive of Russia. Um, but, you know, after talking to so many people, you know, any confusions that I may have had have disappeared. In fact, I I talked to an interesting guy today. Now, I, I promise not to... Uh, put the video out until Thursday. But this is a Frenchman that I spoke to today who he he went into Ukraine uh, as a humani- uh, uh, as a humanitarian aid worker. And he was there during the supposed Buc- the massacre in Bucha. And he witnessed the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian government staging bodies taking photo ops and he actually went to um the other side after he he returned to france he got harassed by his government he got tortured he came to france he went to turkey where he was stabbed uh, coming out of the russian embassy trying to get a russian visa he was stabbed they tried to murder him coming out uh, because he had been exposing what was going on on French television. Wow. Yes, yes. This is going to be an interview on my channel coming out in a couple of days. So you're going to have to watch this. It is going, it is a powerful interview. Well, how is this guy now? He got stabbed? Oh, he's, he's all bandaged up. Um, Wow. He tried to stab him in the eyes. What? Uh, they tried, yeah, yeah. They tried to slit his throat, but he he turned his chin down, and they started stabbing him uh, like in the eyes. But uh, oh, yeah. Thank God for the bones under his eyes because it prevented the knife going in. But oh my God! Yeah, this guy- and John, do me a favor. Could you tell our listeners how they can see your stuff? Tell them the best place to reach you. They can go to my YouTube channel. Just type in uh, John Mark Dugan in uh, in search in YouTube, and they'll be able to find my uh, my stuff. 
And if, are you experiencing any censorship on YouTube? I am. Yeah, I am. Um, I've uh, I've noticed a lot of stuff has been um, deranked or outright blocked. But they still allow you to and, do and super so, chat. You're still monetized, right? I'm still monetized. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. That they've. It's weird how YouTube censorship works. I'm not saying that I want you to not be monetized. I'm just saying there's no rhyme or reason to what YouTube does. Yeah, well, don't jinx me, but... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe it's only because... Maybe it's because I only have 34,000 followers. No, I mean, I think... No, no, no. I, I, please, that's that's a lot compared to channels that they'll take down if yes. they don't like what's being said or Indeed. done. I mean, the, the point is there's and no well, rhyme or reason to it. It's not evenly enforced, and that is the same situation that we see with Russiagate when it's an accusation against Trump versus legitimate accusations about Hunter Biden or Hillary Clinton or whoever might be getting away with murder. Oh, well, that's absolutely, you're right about that. That's for sure. Now, John, what can you, the Russian, for about the past week, they've been doing missile and drone attacks, including on the capital, Kiev, of Ukraine. And apparently, they can hit anything they want to. Russia's been hitting buildings in the center of Kiev, and Kiev can't do anything to stop it. And you seen any footage of the Ukrainian soldiers trying to shoot like ducks, the drones out of the sky with guns? Have you seen that footage, John? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's the, the odds that they would hit a drone and be able to shoot it out of the sky are one in 10 million probably, because, you know, I mean, it takes so long for the rifle bullet to reach something that far, um, you know, unless, unless their rifle is hooked up to a ballistics calculator, it's not going to work. Now, do you understand, because you have a military background, do you understand these kamikaze drones? Oh, I mean, Switchblade. Well, after I was uh, out of the military, but yeah, I understand what they do. Okay, so can you explain to people? Because it's a good phrase, you know, kamikaze drone. It sounds kind of scary and foreign. <laughs> but uh, can you explain what's going on with these drone attacks? Because I understand they are, they come from, you know, some coming horizontally. Some come in vertically, and that makes them very hard to defend against. And Ukraine seems to have no defense at all against those drones. Am I right on that? Yeah, it would be very difficult to shoot one of those down. Um, and you know, one of the one of the reasons they're so effective is because um, you know the uh, the operator is seeing uh, exactly what where it's going. Until uh, until the time of impact, um, and it doesn't need to fly very fast, you know, because it flies so low. Um, the the surface to air uh, missile radars can't pick them up. Um, you know, once it's swooping down like under tree level, I mean, they'll completely lose it. Um, you know, so. And people think that they are a scary thing. Yeah, they are a scary thing, man. I, I don't want one coming to my building, that's for sure. Uh, the no, and it seems to me they cause 
less civilian casualties as well. Because if they were trying to do the same thing, Russia has been very clear what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to take out the energy grid in Ukraine. They've been very clear of that. And that seems to me, especially if they were lobbing cruise missiles in the middle of Kiev, yeah, right? Take out a that block. would kill a lot of people. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And I saw, yeah, so go ahead, John. Well, yeah, those, those drones, they are made for pinpoint accuracy. Um, uh, my colleague Arnaud here, who has a lot more experience with uh, them than I do, that they have about a 10 meter uh, uh, act, uh, margin of error, which is incredible. wow. And um, you know, and and one of the reasons is because they do fly so slow uh, that when they're being controlled, it, it's much easier to control them at such a slow speed. Yeah, I don't think I've seen these drones. Are they are they fixed wing drones or multi rotor drones? And what exactly are they firing missiles or what are they doing? Um, yeah, they look like an old. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that is. An F-102. Yeah, it's got like these, these triangle-shaped wings and the propeller at the back. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's a fixed wing. Hmm. Remember, they, uh, Iran has in- intercepted a bunch of our drones. Right. Right. Communications, and they've landed them successfully in Iran. And I'm sure that they are using some of our technology uh, in these kamikaze drones. Yeah. Now, what do you make of the fact that Sweden and Denmark, the Danes and the Swedes, they say they've done an investigation about the bombing of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, but they're not going to release that info. That tells me that it is not. And was anyone who believed that is stupid. Anyone who believed for one second that Russia was behind it. Even yeah. though George Stephanopoulos and Fox News have said it, anyone who believed it was stupid. But the fact that the Swedes and the Danes haven't released info, do you think that they had info connecting Russia to it? They'd hesitate to release it? They get the Swedish chef from the Muppet Show to announce it. <laughs> exactly. Or ABBA. They recorded a new ABBA song. So what say you, John Mark Dugan? No. Absolutely not. Did do they have any information connecting Russia to it, except for the uh, American um, uh, intelligence agencies' fantasy land uh, dreams? Um, we, I mean, this was a this was a, a concoction by the American intelligence agencies, no doubt. Uh, there's a ton of evidence um, that supports this. But, John, do you think that Sweden refusing to release their own independent investigative evidence is in and of itself evidence that the United States is behind it and they don't want to come forward and say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was a video released online today by Sweden or on Twitter or something. Some Swedish journalists were allowed to put their own civilian video drone down there. That is probably the underwater drone lead that I wanted to get. When I was saying you and I should go to San Francisco and look for those guns in the uh, that the Black Panthers threw over the uh, the, yes. the, the Bay Bridge there, so they had video footage from down below there, and it's like they won't tell Russia, but they're releasing it on Twitter. What the hell is this? Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And you know, you notice that um, 
Russia in one other country wanted to be a part of the investigation, and they refused. Why? Because then they couldn't make it a biased uh, investigation. Yeah. Well, there's a lot now, of— Now, one criticism I hear on, online all the time, people say this to me, but John Mark Dugan, I want to get your response. If you like Russia so much, why don't you go live there? I well, <laughs> uh, uh, live here, but you know what? Look, here, here's the true fact of this stupid statement that people say when they say that. Um, just because you think that your government is wrong and the Russian government is right, that doesn't mean you support their government more than you, or their country more than you do. In fact. It just means that you love America enough to be objective, and you're not buying into these stupid lies being told by the American politicians. They are destroying the country. So if you truly love America, you're going to hold these criminals in government accountable. Um, and John, I know you got to go because we're almost out of time for this segment with you. Great segment, as usual, John Mark Dugan. But if I if I went to Russia, do you think I would find it torturous? Because I'm like, I would go live there. I don't looks see what, nice. I don't. It looks pretty nice. Yeah. Right. It's amazing here. We have not suffered inflation like they have in the West. My fuel prices haven't changed at all. My grocery prices have gone up a little bit. Um, but uh, we are mine too. Inflation. Huh? Have they doubled? Because I'll put it like this, you know, Halloween's coming up. Halloween candy is up 30% from last year. Uh, it's not even actually food. So maybe 10%. Well, right. Well, and John, you mean yeah, you, so. Russia has protected you, the United States and law enforcement here, just like we're seeing with Donald Trump. They, you were dealing with corruption and you fled. They've given you asylum. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that doesn't that doesn't change my opinion on uh, on who's right and who's wrong. Well, I'm saying it shows the integrity of Russia. There's corruption here in the United States and they're doing the right thing by you. It's it's a it's a bold move and by also, Russia to do that. And and you got to go, John Mark Dugan. But I'm also trying to get you a gig with the Russian Tourism Board as, as the <laughs> spokesman ambassador yeah, or something like that. A little yeah. side hustle for you. <laughs> I'll be happy to do it. Send me all the, yeah, never mind. But yeah, I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, so if any Russian tourism officials are listening, first off, talk to me first. But yeah. second, if you want to reach John Mark Dugan, contact us and we'll put you in touch. He'd be a great spokesman. Yeah, John Mark Dugan, great parents. It's always a pleasure to have you on the backstory. Thanks so much. And let's take a short break. And when we come back, We'll talk about more stuff on The Backstory. And we are back on The Backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM. AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. We're joined on Truth Tuesday 
by the great Jason Goodman. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Great segment with Mark, John Mark Dugan, right? It was, yes. Now, Jason, I'd like to do a segment, a new segment called Tech Talk. Okay. And if I were a proper, you know, host, I'd have some music. <laughs> new new song segment. to announce that, yeah. So, and I, but I don't. So I'll just say, boop, 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 boop. That's my music. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. So the big news is that Apple announced new iPads today. Uh-huh. They've been rumored to do that for a while. The last iPad Pro, which is our top of the line iPad, uses the M1 chip. Uh-huh. And it came out about 18 months ago. Mm. And there were rumors that they'd be introducing, uh, usually Apple does these big events. Yeah. Right? Yep. But they didn't do an event for this. Mm. And they have a new iPad Pro, which has the M2 chip. Wow. Which is the second generation. Now, yeah. you know about the M1 and M2 chips. It's yeah. Apple Silicon. It's mm-hmm. Apple designed chips and it integrates everything a CPU and a GPU and the neural engine in one chip. Yeah. Uh, and J- Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you a Mac snob? Kind of. Yeah. So explain, explain <laughs> that. Explain why you're a Mac fan. Well, uh, you know. The way it worked, Lee, is I actually first became aware of and contacted you and became friends with you and your brother because of our mutual interest in the Commodore Amiga, which was a multi-threaded, multitasking operating system way back in the 1980s. And I remember it wasn't like I was like, yeah, go Commodore. I was walking by the computer store in the shopping mall and I saw that animation of the juggler juggling the reflective balls and i have never seen anything like that and i became just fascinated with 3d animation and that led me to you and your video series and all that and you know there's been a lot of evolution through you and i we really grew up through the invention of computers and there's been a lot of uh you know uh evolution and back and forth business stuff with steve jobs getting pushed out and whatever and the reason that i'm a mac fan is because consistently throughout the years when i've used it the steve jobs philosophy which they are now adhering to which i think is wise of tim cook is to have a very tight and closed relationship between the hardware design and the software design whereas windows and android take the opposite tact where they use commoditized hardware and an operating system that can be sold to anyone who wants to make a computer that uses it and it's two fundamentally different approaches and i find that the apple approach just works better yes and uh the, the hardware and the software being integrated yeah. works better, although companies like Samsung have some hardware advantages. I recently got a Samsung phone, and it's a very good phone, hardware-wise. Yeah. I but saw that still, yeah, when I was there with you. I, but I missed the Apple software. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. And, you know, the other thing that's happened, too, Lee, since you and I were doing that type of animation work back in the 80s is that computer hardware and memory and processing capability and bandwidth has gotten so vast that the differences between these different systems in terms of what you can do with them 
has virtually gone away. I mean, back in the day, if you wanted to use 3D animation software, you either needed a Commodore Amiga or a $50,000 Silicon graphics computer. So you were sort of using an Amiga. It wasn't like you had all these different choices. That's changed now. Now, I'm actually about to do a course in a podcasting, political podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I looked into this. You can find not on eBay, not on Facebook, someone selling it used, a brand new, renewed, you, you know what I mean? It's not brand new, but it's renewed. Yeah, a renewed, yeah. Factory, right. Uh, a renewed MacBook Air. Yeah. Refurbished MacBook Air with eight gigs of memory, which yeah. is plenty to run the operating system and software. 200 bucks, Jason. <laughs> the thing that's Think amazing that. is that the processing ability of that slim machine for 200 bucks, you know, there, you and I, I remember it doesn't seem that long ago that I was running around a hot room at four o'clock in the morning, like rebooting uh, render nodes on, you know, huge networks that were just barely doing what that thing could probably do in an hour. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, one of the reasons I recommend it is the is comes back to software again. Uh, I recommend for podcasters having a Mac because the specific software I use, for instance, uh, an app called Paizo, it's fantastic, what and it's do? only Mac. It records anything. It records audio from if you're if you're on Skype or uh. if you're on whatever. You want to give it. Uh, it records mm. straight from a microphone, and it's so easy. Pizo. And it's, che it's a cheap app. It's like 35 bucks or something like that. But mm. also because the Apple podcasting app that's built into Macs means that Apple has basically the number one platform for podcasting. Yeah. It's interesting. I recently you completed know, the book hatching Twitter about how Twitter was created. And actually, Apple, Steve Jobs' announcement of podcasting being built in to iTunes had a major role in the creation of Twitter because Jack Dorsey was working for tech investor and CEO of the Odeo company at that time, which was trying to create a platform that was going to be recording music and putting it out on the internet and recording podcasts and things and basically the starting of podcasting. And when Steve Jobs made that announcement and their product wasn't ready, they realized it was dead before it ever took off. So they shifted gears and created Twitter. Now, the other thing they did was they announced the new base level iPad, the base level iPad in four different colors, hmm. a very bright pink very bright yellow, sort of medium blue and silver that are sort of slicker looking. And they're shaped like the newer iPads, you know, flat edges and so yeah, on. Yeah. But the the iPad base model was priced at 329 the old version. The mm -hmm. new version, they upped the price by buck fifty. So it's Whoa. 450 Wow. But that's they a lot. kept yes, but they the iPad for three hundred twenty-nine bucks was an insane deal. Yeah, that was a stupid low price, and they are still selling it. They're still selling the old one, but the new one, which has a number of upgrades, uh, better cameras, 
for instance. Uh, interestingly, it doesn't work with the new second generation Apple Pencil. It oh. works with the old Apple Pencil. My God, all these but, combinations. Yeah. And, and I think this is why they didn't do an, an, an announcement That's event. That's a mess. That's very un-Steve Jobs-like. He would be pissed off if he was around and this was going on. He would say, get rid of all that. There's one Apple Pencil that works with anything that's you know newer than seven years old or whatever. Yes, indeed. But he'd still cast the checks. That's true. And he might also, be pissed, but... yeah. He's, he's underground now, so I don't think he's going to do anything. Now, Lee, not to shift gears on you, but does Elon Musk count as something to discuss in the tech segment? Well, we, no, we're we almost out of time. So oh, okay. we'll talk about Elon Musk after With we come back Star from a short Link break. The, yeah, Starlink and the Pentagon, all that. Yeah. And again, with the attacks that Musk is taking, he really should wise up and realize Ukraine and this administration are not his friends. Yeah. Agreed? Well, he had that meme of himself, Kanye West, and Trump as the three musketeers, but it's, he's apparently deleted it. And by the way, if all three of you want to come on the show at once, That'd Trump, Elon, and Kanye, <laughs> you're welcome to. Get in touch with Rod, our producer. Yeah. Let's take a short break, Jason, and when we come back, more stuff on Backstory. Backstory, the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan, and our guest co-host today is the great Jason Goodman on Backstory. So we had John Mark Dugan, and once again, thanks to him as our guest in the first hour. And I think it was a very good segment on what's going on currently with Russia and Ukraine. To talk yeah. about stuff going on in Pennsylvania, this hour, we have Tom Nichols joining us. And Jason, you want to take us out with a boom? This is the backstory. So there's a point you wanted to make about, and by the way, if you want to call and be part of the show, 202-521-1320. Jason, you have something you want to say about Elon Musk? Well, because he, there was that whole thing where he was saying, hey, you know, uh, Pentagon is paying Boeing and all these competitors to SpaceX, and we've been spending millions on Starlink. We can't pay for it anymore. So then the Pentagon, uh, like yesterday or this morning or something, said, okay, well, maybe we'll pay for it. And Elon Musk said, nah, forget about it. I don't want you to pay for it. So I think he's messing with these people, but he's like as fickle as a, as a uh, I don't know, teenage girl or something. Well, I think... Don't forget, he was put on a kill list this that's weekend. True. So by the that may mess with your head. Yeah, that's true. Are you sure? You're right. That's a good point. Maybe it was. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, see, I think he's you know poking back at them. He knows what's going on. Uh, everybody always has all these things to say about Elon Musk. I think he's pretty sharp. I think he knows what's going on. Just you know, you know for this, the most this part. This is just an analogy, Jason. But if, for instance, Sputnik had a kill list. Yeah. If the radio station had a kill list and they put you on it and you said, Lee, what's up with that? 
I said, yeah. I don't know, not my business. Would you consider <laughs> that supporting you or not? Probably that's leaning towards not. Yeah, right. So that's my point. <laughs> America's done nothing about this kill list. Right. Ever. Good point. Good point. I believe Rand Paul's on the kill list. A U.S. senator. Unbelievable. Is on a U Ukrainian kill list. And no one from the U.S., from the Pentagon, or even from, you know, even politically, Biden hasn't said, maybe don't kill our senators. Hmm. It's really never been this blatant before, has it? I mean, this in your face where they're just so, I mean, Joe Biden is letting millions of undocumented people. Uh, you know, I was in San Antonio, Texas. I went to the, uh, the, the migrant processing center there. There are a lot of dangerous looking men in their 20s hanging out. Residents in the neighborhood there complaining of prostitution out visible to children behind shopping malls and things like this. I think we're seeing the seeds of something very, very badly. You know, uh, these are how gangs like MS-13 get formed. There was a little five-year-old, maybe he was 10. I don't know. There was a young kid hanging out with this group of 20-year-old guys. It looked like the opening scene of, you know, Goodfellas or something. You know, he's working in the bar when he's a kid and he works his way up in the criminal organization. Yes. And I'll put it like this. Let's talk about the election because they are only three weeks away. Mm -hmm. There is not an issue that favors the Democrats, even yeah. the issue that Democrats think favors them, abortion. If you're trying to hang your hook on the fact that you're in favor of abortion, unlimited abortion, mm -hmm. which they are, yeah. they're not in favor of of you know, first trimester and leave it at that. They're in favor of abortion in the case of uh, Elon Musk, however old he is. So that he's 150 trimester or something. I don't know. 51 or something like that, I think. So how many trimesters is that? I don't That's even know. You know a lot more about kids than I do. But I mean, you're right, Lee. It's just absurd. I mean, and it's, but it's not only that they are for abortion. They are pro making TikTok videos about wanting to get pregnant so they can have an abortion. It's it's insane things that they're saying. No, but if you think about it, the number one issue with people is now the economy. Yeah, and the economy and does not. And, and we were talking about the prices rising. Yeah. Anyone who do you occasionally have this product called food? Jason? Yes, exactly. It's it's very expensive. Everything is going up. And everyone knows what's going on. But none mm -hmm. of the issues favor the Democrats. This number two issue is education. By the way, yeah. the, and we'll get to Al Killer in one second online. But did you fill out, because it was released this weekend, did you f file for student loan forgiveness, Jason? Well, I don't have any college loans. I did not okay. file for that. You're getting into details. But because uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people filled it out and they didn't necessarily get any. They, it looks like free money the way they're making it out. And huh. Biden admits he's going to face legal challenges because you cannot, as president, decide to give people money before an election. Particularly if Congress not, hasn't agreed to do it. Right. Just executive order. 
Right. You know, here's a check. How can they do so that? He's what the admitting, hell is going on? Well, what's going on is he's trying something that will undoubtedly be overturned by courts, including the Supreme Court. But let's go to our friend at 202-521-1320. That's the number he called. And now the killer of owls, our friend Owl Killer, you're on. Hit it. That, that's just the play right there is that he knows it's going to be overturned. But look, I tried to do it, and look who overturned me. It was the Republicans. That's the game that's going to be played. And I'm actually for the student loan forgiveness. That is definitely his play. The same thing with um, releasing the oil, um, the, the strategic uh, oil, oil reserves now, uh, even more before the election. It's clear, it's clear, everything they do is calculated. They, they don't just do anything on a whim. You know, one day the border would be, you know, flying in, um, immigration would be shut down and you couldn't get in into the country. That, that was the whim, and that was Steve Bannon's idea. But, uh, I mean, everything they do is calculated. So it's going to be, we tried to forgive your student loans, and the Republicans overturned us. So it's a exactly. power play. That's what that yeah. is being played. Um, and I, I really, when I heard Cash Patel talking about Elon Musk, I think the guy is a, I, I do, uh, I'm at this point, I'm 50-50, I think he's a creation. Um, because Cash Patel said he is the biggest defense contractor in the United States. Oops, I'm not supposed to say that. Now I'll never get a job with him. And, I mean, we know his cars are subsidized. So Did you have an application, did you have an application in did I, do I have what? A job application in with Elon? <laughs> Did you no, no. fill out something Cash online Patel. or something? Cash Patel. Cash Patel was saying that. When you really think about it, look, you got, he's, he's Tony Stark, and the clown Zelensky over there in Ukraine. That's the Mandarin from Iron Man 3. If yeah, you're right. The guy has no idea what he's doing, pretending he's running the country. You know who's running the country? Victoria Newland runs Ukraine. Yeah, that's true. That is, that is who is now, let me, running that show. Before you... You say what you called about. Let me ask you both, since they got you both online. I asked Ian Schilling this yesterday, and uh, I asked my Twitter audience in a poll last night, who do you think, I'm going to give you two choices, who do you think runs things, the WEF or NATO? If those are your only two choices, who's higher on the food chain? Who outranks who? Who's more in control of things? The WEF or NATO? Go ahead, Al Keller. WEF's got their hands in China. Uh, I mean, they, they got their hands in Africa, South America. NATO, NATO is a is just a it's a scam to suck American taxpayer money. That's all NATO is. NATO runs not. NATO is under the WEF. That's why the United Nations didn't partner with NATO. They partnered with the WEF. So I agree with that, Jason. What say you? Uh, well, I just think that this whole globalist thing is a ridiculous mess. NATO, WEF. I mean, I, I get very confused with people like Elon Musk because, of course, it is very possible that they're all part of a big game and just playing us and everything. But I, I just it's, it's so it's so reality shattering to think that this is all just a joke. I mean, unfortunately, it may be. What's going on with the Twitter lawsuit with Elon Musk? Do we know? Well, I mean, he, he can't, he, uh, as of now, he's face challenge or Twitter. 
But I, I will say with Elon Musk, I think he just played the system for what it was, but I think he's really legitimately hurt by what they did to his son, which is now his daughter, if you want to call him that. Um, yeah. I, I, I think certain things like that can, you have a personal effect, can they, all right, maybe let me get a little even with these people. And mm. I mean, well, I, th- I, I think I'll say this. I think the reason you're confused is, in fact, there are mixed signals about Elon Musk. And yeah. most of them show that this administration has been attacking him. Right. Now, what they do is they attack him as a means of control. That's one of the ways. So if they go after him, so there's part of Elon Musk, but I don't think it's overly simplistic. It's not as simple as Elon Musk is really a secret agent. That That's nuts. And there's no proof of that. Right. The, all the proof points to in trying to control him, part of what they do is attack him. Because if he's a secret agent, then Donald Trump is a secret agent. And Don, and I've heard people say that. How, how can you trust Trump? He's right. actually agent of the <laughs> New World Order. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I can, he's not. I mean, the, the best agents are the ones that don't know they're working for you. So. Right. Okay. Stop, stop, stop. They're not agents then. What they are is they're people who are victims. Well, they're and assets or something, right? That's what the CIA would consider an asset versus an agent. No, I, I would say if, if you don't know, assets know their assets. I don't think that's always true. If, don't if, they sometimes get manipulated? If John Kiriakou was here, he would be able to answer the question. But yeah. I believe that assets know their assets. Because the problem with someone who doesn't know they're an asset is they're not fully controlled. Well, but, Does that but make I'm sense? saying I think we're into a bit of a gray area because here's something that I think a lot of people get hung up on. You're not going to be allowed to start firing rockets up into space and launching satellites without interfacing with the government. And it's going to involve NASA. It's going to involve the Air Force. It's going to involve the Pentagon, the DOD. So it's not like he's trying to hide any interactions that he's having with these people. Now, as far as what exactly the relationship is, of course, we don't know. But when we see him tweeting back and forth and saying, hey, I could use a little money, you're paying Boeing and Lockheed and all these other people, why don't you pay SpaceX? And then they're like, okay, we'll pay you. And he's like, yeah, never mind. I don't care. He's he's doing something. He's playing with them. He's got a very unique style. We haven't seen a guy like this before in the public stage. So exactly what he is, is not known. Something that does bother me is when people like us, people who do not know for sure, state things as if they know and we're rubes who just fell off the cart or something like that. We don't really know what's up with Elon Musk, and he's involved in a lot of different things. No, I I agree with that completely. And and that's my point. And oversimplicity benefits the New World Order. That's saying true Elon too. Musk, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Al Killer, go on. What did you call about? <laughs> I was specifically calling in uh, regarding the uh, whole Elon, specifically about um, Elon Musk. And what I really think he's the most, I actually think governments work for these people. I think he's hmm. the most public face of, you know, this cabal that, of uh, this, 
Well, this would be this would be like the thousand year Reich: fascists, corporatists, people who control these multi billion dollar things. That what is the relationship between corporatism and you know the U.S. government and globalism? It's it's. I mean, that's the thing. It's also none of this is ever binary, right? There's so many different factions, so many different aspects, so many different. It's just mind bending. Alex Jones said this. He says. And I, I tend to agree with him because it, it goes, it, Brave New World um, points at this slightly, where there's interests that have the same goal. So they work. Right, right, right. Them. Like they all believe in this transhumanism thing, but they want to be the ones that run it. China is as much on the transhumanism, uh, making superhuman soldiers. And you know, China is, I mean, they just launched an artificial sun the other day. So what? They're. Oh, you didn't see that? No. How do you launch an artificial sun, and where is it? Go look it up. Go look it up. Wow. You of it? Yeah. What could go wrong with that? We're just going to launch an artificial sun. So we'll, we're they'll rest on certain issues. They're not going to eat bugs. They've already been eating bugs. They want. Wow. Longest sustained nuclear fusion. See, this is what I mean. We're sitting around here arguing about cartoon books that are showing oral sex, and China is sustaining nuclear fusion in space. We are not going to read. Right. We're not going to be able to survive as a nation for very much longer at all. I'm sorry to say. Well, the these the WF is against sovereignty. And they're very clear about that. So, of course, they treat Europe and us like they don't believe in sovereignty. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. And I, I think the I'll throw in the word yeah, you didn't use, but I'm sure you agree with this. You said these corporations, these multinational corporations, yeah. Yeah. that means that they're operating outside of any one nation's law. Yeah. And by the way, that's not weird. In and of itself, that's okay. If they didn't pass laws to allow these, that's what I mean. They, the governments work for them. The governments are the police arm for them. People wouldn't take it, take what they're doing to them from these, from a bunch of rich, the richest people on the planet. So they use this artificial. Oh, well, I'm, oh, okay, you, you, you must be right because you're the government because people are scared of the authority that a government has. So that, that's really all government is. It's the police arm for these transnational corporations. Yeah, and that's been the case. I said the CIA is the security firm for, you know, the elites. Who yeah, from I find as uh, inception. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, Look at I think it ties in. The city of London and the yeah. British royalty, but yeah, go agreed. ahead, Al Killer. We got to we got to move on because we're almost out of time. But I'll give you the last word, sir. Go ahead. I look. All you got to do is watch. Shepherd shows you how MI6 created help from the OSS. They gave they taught the OSS how to do, and you know the MI6 comes out of the Dutch East India Company. Huh. And that makes sense. Learned. We learned from. MI6 with OSS and then turned it, which became the CIA after World War II. All they, all it is, 
is they are the spy. They spy on the competition of the bankers. That's all it is. Now, now, now wait a minute, because last week it came up in conversation. I, Lee and I had asked, what became of the Dutch East India Company? So did it morph into MI6? Is that what you allege? Pretty, mu- pretty much. I mean, that's, wow. um, that's what uh, our Tragedy and Hope basically lays out. Whoa, I got to read that. Oh, go read Tragedy and Hope if you have Yeah, yeah, yeah. He admits, Carol Quigley in there admits that they control the drug trade because somebody's going to sell drugs. Might as well be us. Wow. Hmm. So great call, Al Keller, as usual. Hmm. Let's go to the calls. 202-521-1320. Tarif, you're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Um, here I go. First, uh, first, I'd like to say free June and signs. I have three comments. First comment is this: <clears throat> the price of gas, like it went down about twenty cent. That's because Joe Biden had opened up the strategic uh, um, reserves again. I think that's why it went down. But it's gonna go back up again soon because Saudi Arabia gonna take. I mean, OPEC Plus gonna take two million barrels of petroleum off a day coming this this um, November before the elections. Uh, and, and to go along with that, um, Alex McCurris was taught to say a couple of things today and yesterday. First thing he said that we got troops going, Russian troops going to Belarus, and he think that the troops going to be used to go into Ukraine to 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 surround Kyiv and try to force the Ukrainian government to back to the table again. That's his opinion. Second opinion was that, no. We talked uh, about it before. That doesn't so sound I right. Think yeah. that's, <laughs> I think that's clearly what's happening. Wait to right? attack to surround the city to get them back to the table. But I mean, I thought you said that they're not going to have no, a no, war no. posture. They're, they're not going back to the table. Yeah. To take Kiev, I think uh, Russia is going to go and take Kiev. Yeah. I think the all the the drone and missile attacks on Kiev now is softening up Kiev and showing Kiev that we can hit you, hit you anywhere, yeah. anytime we want. Yeah. So go ahead, Tarif. Take Tarif again. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, one more thing before I get to the last thing. If they, you just brought up something, Lee. If they take her Kiev, that's going to sink, sink, send shockwaves to Europe because that will show the uh, the strength of the Russian military by them taking Kiev. And to the world, people are going to see NATO's being weak. My last comment is this. Troops, Adam McCurry said this. And also General, excuse me, Colonel McGregor said this two weeks ago. They both said the same thing, that the troops are going to go into Ukraine Two weeks from now, so that's going to be before the November the eight elections. So by doing that, that might affect Biden's election dealing with the Senate and the House, or they might make the DNC look weaker. You see what I'm saying? If the, the troops, the mobilization is finished within two weeks, and the troops go in within two weeks, and the elections are all- that's going to be worse than rain on his wedding day. It's not good for the election. Well, and uh, even the Washington Post is saying troop morale among the Ukrainians is very bad right now. Hmm. So 
I, they're not facing a force that is fired up and ready to go. They're facing a force whose morale is low. And in Europe and Ukraine, and I think the United States, the lies that the media have told continually, Russia's almost out of missiles, Russia's morale's low, Putin can't control his military. It's their lies. And well, it's they're actually about the get- truth about Ukraine, isn't it, Lee? It's a flip. It's the truth yes. if you said it about Ukraine. And that's what they do constantly, accuse yeah. the accuser. And Tarif, thanks for the call. Great call as usual. So, yeah, Jason, I think that accuse the accuser thing of what you're doing is what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to say the Republicans taking the House and the Senate will mean a lot of exciting shows for us because <laughs> and and also because after January, I expect committees are going to come up. And also the only people speaking out against the war, not consistently and not as a party, are Republican. So there are do- voices. Yeah, go you ahead, think, Jason. You think they'll do anything, Lee, about like reversing the ridiculousness of the January sixth committee or anything like that? I mean, it's the House is flipping back and forth all the time. They still haven't released all the redacted stuff about nine eleven and JFK. Are we going to get anywhere with this? You think? So I would say I've seen evidence that the, some Republicans are fired up about Ray Epps, for okay. instance, Marjorie Taylor Greene, definitely. Right. And Ted Cruz also. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, therefore, yes, I think they will bring up the January 6th stuff because there's so much sneaky about that. There's so much that has not been talked about. And Mm -hmm. explain to me what possible objection and even try to think like a Democrat. What possible objection are they going to? do if all they have to do is play the footage of Rab saying go into the Capitol and any Democrat seeing that footage can't say we don't want to talk to that guy. So see the interesting thing make sense? is it makes a lot of sense and it's a circumstance that is not unfamiliar. And the response that you will see, you could go right up to Nancy Pelosi and directly confront her. She'd use the name Ray Epps and say, why aren't you showing the video? And she would just ignore it. They would just ignore it. And I witnessed, I experienced this in court when I, when I, you know, there were people in court who, in my view of the facts, I allege here now, my opinion is that they were trying to lie and, and do things that were Incorrect, if not illegal, to cause me to lose the case. And when I brought up evidence that was irrefutable, they did not directly attempt to even refute the evidence. They and that's completely why that it. old crone being in charge of anything is over when yeah. the Democrats lose. Nancy that's Pelosi true. matters not. She doesn't matter if the well, Republicans control the House. I'm just using her as an example, just saying any of these types of, you know, Hillary Clinton, whoever it is that you want to confront, Joe Biden, confront with a question, why is Joe Biden allowing millions of undocumented people, even if 1% of them are criminals, we got 40,000 new criminals coming into the country, 
and you ask him why, and he will not answer. If there was at least an answer that he could lay out that would purport to make some kind of sense, what I'm saying is we could the, debate the that. The fact that they don't answer matters not. It doesn't make any difference because if the GOP is in charge of the House and the Senate, they'll get their committees. Yeah. And the only question is, will they do something about it? Right. And I think on January 6th, there's evidence that they will. On immigration, so. they will. And then so. the Democrats are sit sitting there blinking and not answering. That's on them. Yeah. So, but you know, you're right. They're not going to say anything. Yeah. And that's why they need to go. They need yeah. to be out of power. Yeah. So and I think in three weeks. Yeah. I think in three weeks it will be. And then how soon until Karine Jean-Pierre has a show on MSNBC? <laughs> yes. And who's watching it? All, all three people right. who watch Come MSNBC. <laughs> yeah. So take right. that Joy Reid audience. Joy Reid's family. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, do we have Tom on command central? OK, so Jason, any things, any thoughts you have to finish out this half hour before we bring on the great Tom Nichols? I'm actually very interested to hear what Tom has to tell us in his last segment with us. He, he taught me about things that I did not know about dangerous street drugs that I now have observed people in New York City who appear to be under their influence. So I'm very delighted to have him back with us. He'll also be able to tell you about pro-life political prisoners. And that'll make sense when we talk to Tom. But mm -hmm. uh, and also this Pennsylvania Senate race is an example of Democrats losing because of election ineptitude. And yeah. they could have won because I don't think Oz is an ideal candidate. Right. Would you agree with that, Jason? The only thing you said that I don't agree with is that I thought you were going to say they were losing sight of reality. And that seems to be clear as well. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about reality. Right. So uh, so any final thoughts, Jason, before we go to break? Uh, no, I'm, I'd like to hear from Tom. Definitely looking forward to that. OK, let's take a short break now and we'll be back on The Backstory. Backstory and on the radio 105.5 FM AM 1390. Joined by the great Jason Goodman on Truth Tuesday. Jason Goodman from Crowdsource the Truth. Our next guest is a great friend of the show and he always has interesting stuff to say. Let's welcome the writer and author Tom Nichols. Hey Tom, how you doing? Hi Lee, I'm fine. How's it going? Great. Very good. Welcome to the show. So let's talk about the Senate race. Are things on the ground looking? I, I'm seeing that I think Dr. Oz is going to win this because I think Fetterman has been so weird about his stroke that it is hurting him with voters. Is that what you're saying, Tom? Um, I think you're right. Um, I've read similar sounding polls, and they all seem to point to either a dead heat or with Oz uh, slightly ahead, but I see a shift 
And, um, you know, um, there's still time. And so it could very well be that Oz could be the victor. I totally agree, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and I say that even though I think Oz is a less than ideal candidate. And but Fetterman is a nutty candidate. He, I wish I could say he would lose because his policies will lead to further disaster for Pennsylvania. But I think it's his handling of the stroke issue. Do you agree? Yes, which is which is a good test for how he would handle other crucial issues. Uh, you know, going forward, if in fact he 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 won. Uh, it's not a good personality indicator of possible future behaviors. Um, but he's been problematic all along, as you said, not only with the issues, but how he is handling this personal issue, and um, he's not handling it very well. Now, Tom, you have a great piece in Front Page Magazine, David, David Horowitz's online publication. You have a great piece talking about a pro-life political prisoner. That, is that right? Yes. Um, Mark Hack, who um, was basically the victim of a home invasion by Biden's Justice Department a few weeks ago for an encounter that he had with a planned parenthood escort in downtown Philadelphia. And uh, I don't know how much you know about it, Lee, but... I knew nothing until I read your article. I knew nothing about it. I'm sure Jason, the mainstream media doesn't cover this kind of thing. So why don't you start us at the beginning and explain yeah. to us who he is and what's been going on? Because it's a great article. You can check it out on front page. But uh, why don't you start at the beginning and explain it to us, Tom? Um, he's a pro-life Catholic activist who has been demonstrating and saying the rosary in front of Planned Parenthood for about 20 years. He has eight children. He lives in Bucks County. So he's pretty much of a well-known figure in the pro-life world. Um, he was at the Elizabeth Blackwell Center um, some time ago doing his routine Wednesday uh, protest when a Planned Parenthood escort, I believe it was a 72-year-old man, started to harass uh, Mark's son. And the harassment apparently was so bad that Mark felt it was appropriate to sort of intervene. And just as the escort was doing something to the son, I got the feeling that the body contact was like very close he then intervened and pushed him away from his son. As it happened, the push resulted in a fall on the sidewalk, and the 72-year-old man uh, scraped his finger. It, it's, it's alleged that the cut just needed a Band-Aid. Um, well, um, the, the escort later pressed charges. It was taken to court. Um, there were, and but the escort never showed up for the court session, so it was basically thrown out, and it was a dead issue basically until after the overturning of Roe oh, Wade, when Biden's Justice Department 
kind of unearthed it and brought it back in the center stage when he had agents basically raid this man's house. Of course, it's always in the wee hours when you're in your underwear and you're barefoot. And I think he was downstairs cooking a quiche for his family. He was not dressed. Life happens to notice all of these um, blue and white flashing lights outside. And then it was pounding on the door. And, of course, these, these guys never knock gently, but it's always like something out of the diary of Anne Frank. They just want to pound your door down. So Mark asks who they are. And, of course, it takes them a little while to answer, and they say FBI. They enter the house, and several of them point guns right in Mark's face and in his wife's face as eight children are running around screaming, thoroughly terrorized. Um, now, then, you know, the wife says, well, do why are you doing this? They say, we are here to arrest your husband. She says, where's your warrant? We don't have a warrant. We're going to take your husband with or without a warrant. Then one agent casually mentions later that they will come back with a warrant after they take the husband away. Then she pleads, can I get him some sweatpants? Because the guy is in his underwear. <clears throat> can I get him some sweatpants and his rosary before you take him? So I think she runs upstairs, but they take him anyway. And so she comes down and he's gone. So, you know, the fact that something like this could even happen in this country is appalling enough. But especially with this story, after the case was literally thrown out and then brought back by Biden's Justice Department, uh, it really stinks. And so, but Mark, Mark Hack now has the support of a lot of House members, and I think I think twelve senators, and the numbers are growing. So this looks like it could really be uh, toppled, or you know. Um, but it would be nice if the Department of Justice issued an apology. But uh, I wonder if they're capable of that. Doubtful. So, what do you say, Jason? What do you think? Have you heard about this story? I, I had, yeah. Now that you went into all the details, I didn't know all those details, but I had heard about that. And uh, I think that we are living in the most dangerous time that I'm aware of in the United States of America. There are no constitutional protections. If you are a person who they decide they need to make an example of or a political enemy of or whatever, and um, so what's going to happen to this guy? Nothing? I mean, is it over? Is that it? Well, you know, he risks, if convicted, uh, spending 11 years in jail. And what? Yeah, 11, 11 years. And it, it's just... Um, um, well, he's going to pay millions to some lawyer just in the process of, you know, the next five years of his life will be dedicated to nothing but this. It's terrible. I think he was... Lucky though, I think he I think he has a pro bono lawyer from the Thomas More Society. Wow. Really good organization. Yeah. So but, um, who knows how this will um, uh, go down? But I 
observed a uh, demonstration, you know, outside of the U.S. Attorney's Office at Sixth and Chestnut in downtown Philadelphia, and there was quite a crowd of about 150 to 175 people. Um, of course, the um, Philadelphia Inquirer reported that there were 75 people, which I. <laughs> Um, you know, reaction from passersby for the most part was there was one loud vehicle uh, without a muffler that kept circling the block. And I don't know whether that was coincidental or intentional. But, um, you know, the whole thing ended with with um, a lot of people praying the Our Father on the sidewalk. I had, like, never seen that before. Um so, um, so it was um, quite a uh, demonstration, uh, quite a rally. So, while you're talking about the issue of the DOJ or or justice being courts and whatnot being weaponized politically, I'm going to mention something. It's not directly related to this, but Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, is doing this sort of weaponization of the Justice Department. And yeah. remember, this is Merrick Garland, who was almost on the Supreme Court. And did we dodge a bullet, do you think, Tom, by not having Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court? We dodged a world war. I mean, um, he, with his squeamish little Turkish taffy face, uh, <laughs> how else to describe it, but... <clears throat> He, uh, what a what a creature he is! What a creature! Um, so, um, yeah, we dodged a big one. Yeah. I sort of yes now, and no. It's a good thing he won't have an appointment on the SCOTUS for life, but he's doing quite a lot of damage as the Attorney General right now. Yeah. Indeed, yeah, and what about on there for life? That's a good yeah. point, Jason. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, with the elections coming up in just three weeks. I've noticed that the Democrats seem to have been counting because what what can they run on? They can't run on the strong economy, for instance. And someone pointed out that why do you think the jobs numbers are good, Jason? Uh, because everybody lost their jobs for COVID and nobody had any jobs. So somebody had to get hired back. Well, someone pointed out today that they think the jobs numbers are good because people are taking second or third jobs. Oh, that's true, right? too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Falsely appears that so twice as many people are working. That's right. And the Democrats can't run on the economy. They can't run on the war because even by their standards, Russia's winning and Russia mm -hmm. was not hurt by the economic sanctions. But mm -hmm. uh, they're running on what's called social issues. None of which ideology benefit. Yeah. So go ahead, Tom. Talk about that. No, I mean you're absolutely right, Lee. They are running on woke. They're banking on people going with that and for that. Um, I think it's ironic, though, the situation in Dearborn, Michigan, which has been a growing Muslim enclave for decades, and which has been written about mainly by conservatives like Ann Coulter in her book, Adios America, just about how problematic Dearborn, Michigan was. Um, you know, and, and it was her contention 
that Muslims generally don't assimilate. And so um, in uh, Dearborn, there were issues of uh, Sharara law. And so now we have a situation with the school board there with, with sex education books that they want, that the school board wants in the school libraries. And the Muslim community there is protesting against this along with the so-called Christian right. And so suddenly the left is, finds itself in a weird position because they're the ones who had been encouraging this like multicultural naive view, never really counting the, the, the very firm convictions of true Muslims who are, which are not exactly LGBTQ friendly. Yeah. So, not at all. And in fact, <laughs> I think the other group who the Democrats have a problem with is Hispanics, because a lot of Hispanics are Catholic and they are not pro-abortion. So coming out and the again, I don't like to reduce it to a gay rights issue because, you know, uh, I don't think it's about that. If they, they were trying to ban gay people from the schools, I'd oppose that. But I think they're outraged by the books literally teaching gay sex to minors. Yeah. You see what I'm saying, Tom? Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to get a handle on exactly what these books talk about, but I haven't been able to get a straightforward readout. They have cartoon pictures of oral sex. I've seen some of the books that they're talking about. It's absolutely, I don't see how any sensible person could think it's okay to give it to little kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, in a case like that, that doesn't belong doesn't belong anywhere. I mean, there was there was a book years ago called "The Joy of Gay Sex." I think it was co-authored by Edmund White. Not for uh, right. children. Yeah, if adults want that, but fine. Right, it, it wasn't book a kids' book. Right. And uh, um, and I, yeah, go go ahead. But like here, you have a very conservative Muslim community where even the mention of gay rights is pornographic. So that's why I asked that question. Um, they don't even want a discussion around this. The pictures are like something from the moon. That just implodes the whole thing. So um, so this is why this like situation is so tense. And uh, I believe there's another school board meeting Thursday night, and so um, I don't know how that's going to go down. Well, Not and the well. school board issues are a big deal nationally. I think the education issues that the Democrats have counted on is going to absolutely work against them. You'll see videos occasionally on Twitter or someplace where someone, a parent, is reading from these books. And I recently yeah. saw one. And there's describing, I need to be careful because we deal with the FCC. Right. But uh, they described explicitly how you might give a hand to your friend. Does right. that make sense, Jason? You yeah, see what I'm getting at? That I do, yes. And, I, and I've also you know, heard, as you're describing, people reading from these books. And then you go online and look the book up. You see pictures from the books. I, I literally cannot understand... I am totally fine with LGBT. If you're an adult, go do what you want to do. Hentai comics, if you're an adult. 
But giving these books to kids in public school, it's just not acceptable under any circumstance. Not, and but but this is the trouble with the left because any all of all of their issues are constantly changing. It's never always and in the far out realms. And but I don't even understand why they're going there. I don't I don't get the connection to so called consciousness raising or human development. It's just pure insanity. It's just to disrupt, I think. It's to disrupt decent society, disrupt the relationship between the parents and the children, you know, try to make some kind of weird secret bond between these libs of TikTok type teachers who talk about what they like to tell their students. That none of that is appropriate at all. And but the Democrats are really banking on it. And that's why I think they are facing election disaster. And it couldn't happen to a better party. No. One, last, one last question on the LGBT thing. What, what happened with that Canadian shop teacher with the rubber prosthetic ridiculous boobs? Did that, wasn't that a big dust up that people were that, that you had to allow? You know what I'm talking about? Did you guys see that story? Yes. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. I, I think the school backed the teacher ridiculous. and told people to show up about it. <laughs> and they stopped talking about it. But that's Canada. So, Tom, yeah. did you see that story? No, no, I never saw that story. Oh, biologically what? male teacher came to shop class dressed, you know, identifying as a woman with prosthetic breasts that were the largest, you know, bigger than basketballs in well, front of yeah, the high school kids. It's ridic- ridiculously large. Yeah. You've seen big boobs. I, I assume, but <laughs> these were beyond that. Each, literally, they look they look like watermelons. I, I'm not exaggerating, right, Jason? This is what school is about now. Nobody's learning anything other than arguing about who is what and how big the boobs can be in shop class. Now, another <laughs> issue that's big is crime. Oh yeah. Have you seen any polling in Pennsylvania on the crime? issue and how important that is to voters uh i have i have not but um you know i you know that that's that's almost like a a staple like bread and milk during a snowstorm i mean it's uh when is when is there not crime well but it's much worse now don't you think i mean in the past two years, in all major cities, three two three years we're going on now. It's just been it's been skyrocketing. Well, Tom, you've done a good job of documenting what's been happening in Pencil in in Philly. So, what's been happening in Philly with crime recently? And do you relate to Larry Krasner, the DA, Tom? Well, I think that I think I mean things are things are quiet. I think for the the moment, um, although. Uh, you know there are, there are all these like rowdy incidences on the Frankfurt L and on the Broad Street subway on any ordinary given weekday, where I mean children get on. Obviously, there are children of uh, parents who who don't teach them very well, and they come in groups and crowds, and they without even knowing it, they can terrorize a uh, train car. So. This is a daily occurrence, you know. Um, everybody complains about it, but uh, it doesn't always happen. 
but that's kind of a side development from the crime, this anarchy, unruly behavior. Um, but in large groups of kids. Um, other than that, um, I know that um, the Italian Heritage Society changed the name of the uh, Columbus Day Parade to the Italian Heritage uh, Parade because of the country really? around Columbus. So they so they actually capitulated to wow. war, um, which I think was a very very foolish thing to do. Um, because they support the statue, which is still boxed up in South Philadelphia, but by but by going along with a parade name change, it's really waving the white flag. So um, I think that battle is lost, at least in this city. And also, you know, whose life was improved by changing the name? Whose life did? For instance, we have a lot of Native Americans here in South Dakota. Trust me, their lives were not improved one bit by changing it from a Columbus Day parade to Italian heritage. Do you see my point, Jason? Yeah, I don't think they don't care. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Now, Tom, the other issue that is peripheral and I think sort of related is homelessness. I think people are seeing... You know, you know the actress uh, Susan Sarandon, Jason. Yes. Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm -hmm. among other things. Susan Sarandon, recent. She's not a conservative, right? No. Nope. Nope. Fair to say, she recently posted a video of the homeless situation in Los Angeles, it's and it's massive. Yeah. It's horrible, yeah. and so I'm saying when Susan Sarandon posts that. That is going to get to people on the left who are expressing outrage at the homeless situation. And what's homelessness like in Philly? Have you seen a noticeable uptick in the past couple of years, Tom? To be honest, it's it's been it's been pretty pretty steady. Um, it never goes away. Um, there are new faces all the time. I find people sleeping in odd places all over my neighborhood, for instance, under the portico at Rite Aid or by a dumpster at um, Applebee's or something, and you see people shooting up the sidewalk, for instance, right next to a residential neighborhood. Uh, just wow. the other week, I saw two homeless guys. One was injecting a syringe into his uh, buddy's arm because he couldn't do it. Oh. They could have cared less who walked by. It was in broad daylight. And um, so this is how casual the whole thing is becoming. Um, but again... And, and now, Tom... Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, Tom. No, I mean, winter is coming. So whenever winter inches in... Um, Many of the homeless, but not all, that's when they go into shelters and that's when they bite the bullet and, you know, um, and obey the rules for a while during the coldest months. But, um, again, I don't go to Kensington and Allegheny, which is a snow globe of pure homelessness. Every street, every alley, it's a whole village 
you know, makes me think of Hillary Clinton. It takes village, but it's it's um, it's a whole city of um, homelessness. And well, let me talk about that because you, you, you're uh, you've been a science fiction author, right, Tom? Uh, you've written science fiction books. I did, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to call all these issues the dystopian nightmare that is America now. Does that make sense? I think people see all this, the homelessness, the crime, this weird stuff in, in school board meetings, and it feels like a weird dystopian nightmare future. Yeah. It does. And Tom Nichols, we're out of time, but great appearance as usual. Thanks for talking to us, Tom Nichols. Thank you, Tom. And by the way, our guest tomorrow will be Gordon Dimmick, who we've talked to before. I haven't talked to Gordon in a while, but we're going to have an interview with Gordon talking about Assange and talking about the chaos in London, Liz Truss, and so on. Jason, great job co-hosting, and thanks so much to John Mark Dugan. We'll be back tomorrow on the best Sam talk show in the world, The Backstory.